Really happy to be with you today. For those of you who don't know, my name is Andrew Thunder. I've been attending, I was actually doing a little calculation here, figuring out how long have I been here. Looked like it's eight years. It's almost a decade. I can't believe it. Wow. Um, but be, we were here for um, eight years. Um, my family, so my wife, Heather, and I have been serving this church for uh, a few, a few s several years, ever since we, we started coming here, and a variety of different capacities uh, for myself. I was uh, had the privilege of um, serving as executive pastor for a certain season, and Heather, even right now, she's um, she's been serving in the nursery uh, and helping with the kids there, and uh, we've been blessed with two children, one Micah and Zachary, three-year-old, as well as a 10-month-old, and we are just so blessed to call this place our home and our family. And uh, my son, in particular, really enjoys it. He, uh, he enjoys the nursery. He, he likes singing and uh, playing with cars. So every, every week, he, he just looks forward to Sunday. It's amazing. Um, so over the past few weeks, we have been going through this series called Moving Forward. Pursuing God in 2019. It's a series that focuses on the changes that we make in can make in 2019, specifically changes that will get us closer to God and improve our relationship with Him. Personally, I, I really love January, okay? Uh, despite, minus the cold weather and everything like that, you know, how, how, how cold is it t today? Something like minus 30? Minus too cold, yeah, minus 27, probably a little bit more with the wind chill. Actually, on my way here this morning, I stopped by Tim Hortons, and uh, as I was getting out of the van, I kind of shut the, the van door, uh, made sure I locked it and everything, shut the door, look into the window, and there on my seat were my van keys. I look at the keys, look at the locked door, look at the keys, sunk in a little bit. And, uh, you know, minus whatever, minus 30 d degrees out there. They're, okay, time to call a locksmith. Called up locksmith. Probably within about an hour or so, uh, locksmith showed up. Uh, luckily, I, I came for my morning coffee uh, a little bit early. So, a bit of an adventure coming out here. But you know what? Despite the cold weather, hey, I still like January. Why do I like January so much? Well, you know, at the beginning of, of January, we, uh, we tend to do... Do something, and everyone, everyone knows what we do, right? Start of January is, it's almost like a new beginning for us. So you look at your January calendar, right on day one is start. So yeah, that's in big red letters. We're going to start doing some of our New Year's resolutions that we listed off uh, when we had our morning cup of coffee. Some of these resolutions, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. You know what, but there's still that, that time it's really interesting how it, that January is kind of like this universal time where we all assess where we're at. We look at our, our relationships. We look at our careers. We look at our, 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 fa our family. We look at our health in general. And we say, am I where I need to be? And many of us, we will start making some changes. Um, it looks like statistics from Brain Research Institute says 62% of people make resolutions of some kind. And I'd imagine, okay, those are just the resolution part. But many of us don't make resolutions, but we still have that period of time where we assess where we're at. 
And whether you declare it out loud or you make it internal, you actually know that there's something that you have to change in this next year. That's something that I really like about, about January, about starting a new year, is that everyone has a sense that we're turning a new page. We push the reset button. Things are going to be different in 2019, much different than what had happened the year before. Let's uh, take a look at some, some people who are uh, responding to the New Year's resolution thing. My New Year's resolution, here's a tweet. New Year's resolution is to spend less time interacting with people and more time with my phone. Doing pretty well so far. Okay, that's one. Good, that's achievable. My New Year's resolution has been to stop procrastinating for like the past six years. Probably do something. LOL. Okay, good luck to this guy. My New Year's resolution is 5760 times 1080. Okay, and this one I like. Okay, January. The decision has been made to finally eat healthy. You look at the determination in Batman's eyes and the, the strut. Look, he's ready to go. Come September, looks like he's not doing too well. You know, it's a little bit thick on the belt there. He's carrying some fast food. And he says, oh, come on, let's be a little realistic here. And then uh, we got the Kermit memes. Everyone knows current memes are the, the best type of memes, right? Yes. That's what said, amen? Amen, all right. <laughs> me, so this is me talking to me. I'm so happy I'm saving money. And then me to me, now spend it all. And then here, here's one tweet. Oops, forgot to work out yesterday and today. Looks like my New Year's resolution will have to wait till next year. See, a lot of us, we kind of, we got to kind of think in those terms, like, I, uh, my New Year's resolution didn't really work out, so um, uh, we're going to have to wait till the next time that this resolution thing happens. But what I really love is that people are just taking the time, it seems like, it seems like everywhere, people are taking the time to assess where they're at, and they, it's almost like it's a time Put away the things of the past and embrace the future, the new life that could be for the next year. There's this new year, new you. So, today we're, the uh, title of the message is Move With Purpose. Move With Purpose. Resolutions are really good. They're great. I like them. The Bible doesn't speak specifically about New Year's resolutions, but what I love about resolutions, what I really love about resolutions, is that we commit to doing something, and we exert all of our efforts and energy into getting that thing done. Now, aside from the success and failure, we do put the energy into identifying that thing that we need to do, and then having that resolve to get it done. Being resolute when we, when we do our resolutions, we're being resolute. When being resolute is at the very essence of the Christian faith. Every day, we are meant to have a steadfast commitment to following Jesus. But just like New Year's resolutions, what happens? Sometimes we find ourselves slowing down or at a standstill, confused, discouraged, or headed in the wrong direction altogether. 
So how do we strengthen our resolve, right? When we're talking about our relationship with God, there may have been some things in the past that you have decided in previous years, I am going to do this, and it didn't get done. Maybe it was the uh, the get through the Bible in one year challenge that we did last year. Maybe you got started, you were on fire the first few months, and then uh, you kind of, uh, you forgot a few passages and got discouraged and stopped altogether. Maybe that, maybe that was you, maybe it was something else. But regardless of what it is, today we're looking at how can you strengthen that resolve? To be resolute is to be firmly resolved or determined, set in purpose, characterized by firmness and determination. This is a characteristic that each and every one of us should possess as Christ followers. So whenever I think about being resolute, being determined, being unwavering, the very first passage that comes to my mind is, is this one here, and I, I wanted to share it with you. It's found in Luke 18, 31 and 34. It says, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, they will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples didn't understand any of this. Its meaning was completely hidden from them. and They did not know what he was talking about. See, it's this, it's this scene here. It's really, really thought-provoking and interesting to, to consider that when Jesus was sitting down with his disciples and talking to him about these events and being resolved, having that uh, resolute determ determination to accomplish his Father's will, as he was talking about what was going to happen in Jerusalem, little did the disciples know that these events that he was speaking of it would change the course of humanity forever. Not only that, but it would shake the foundations of this earth and it would change how we can have a right relationship with God. The disciples had no idea of how much weight was in, this, in these words. So we're going to look at a few different ways and through these statements that Jesus was making and through, through his life, through his ministry, what, how are, what are some of the ways that we ourselves can become more resolved to do the things God has called us to do? The first thing here is he was aligned with the Father's will. He was aligned with the Father's will. He says this, we are going up to Jerusalem. This is actually the, the third time that Jesus kind of predicted his own death. The first time that he did it, it, it says here in Luke 9, 51, he says, at the time, as, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jerusalem 
was this place. It was seen as a place where the purpose of Christ's coming would all be accomplished. All the prophecies about him, all the predictions he previously made would take place. They would be fulfilled in Jerusalem. At this moment, the moment that he was speaking about, he was looking forward to the event that would change history altogether. It would be an event that would abolish the law of sin and death and make way for a right, right relationship with Jesus, cleansing us of our iniquities and allowing us to embrace an eternal and abundant life in communion with our Heavenly Father. But the thing is, he understood where he was going. He had this resolute determination. He had to make it to Jerusalem to fulfill his Father's will in his life. See, many of us, we have been, God has put in, uh, put some sort of a task inside of our hearts, inside of our minds that we know we need to fulfill. For many of us, God has put something in your life, maybe a goal, maybe it, it, it's some, something in particular that will allow you to get closer to Christ. But in order to get there, oftentimes it requires you to have this, this, this understanding of the destination in your mind. But ultimately, you must be aligned with the will of the Father. Oswald Chambers, he says this, Seeking to do the will of the Father was the one dominating concern throughout the, our Lord's life. And whatever he encountered along the way, whether joy or sorrow, success or failure, he was never deterred from the purpose. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. You see, the disciples, they couldn't see the big picture. They couldn't see exactly what was happening. In fact, some of them were probably scratching their heads trying to figure out what, why would you have to die in order to accomplish your mission on earth? It doesn't really make sense. For the disciples, they thought that Jesus was going to become king, a, a physical king here on earth where he would have dominion and free them from the oppression of the Romans. This is something that they believed about Jesus. So when he talked about going to Jerusalem to die... There was such confusion in their minds. They couldn't understand it. You see, for the disciples, they had very short-term thinking. And you know what? That is one of the main reasons why many of our resolutions fail. That's why some of our goals that we, we set out to do to get closer to God, that's why so sometimes they fail. It's because oftentimes we have this short-term thinking we don't always have the big picture in mind. You know, you look at some of the resolutions to, uh, to become more, I'm going to become more healthy by going to the gym every day. And then what happens? Well, after work, people are, you know, you, 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 you get back home from work, and then you're tired. You know, all, you spend all your energy at work. Now I'm going to actually go over to the gym and, and spend my time doing more work? You know, and so what happens is you end up taking the path of least resistance. You know, if you have two options, you tend, we, we, as humans, we tend to go to the more comfortable path. 
And so that's, that, it's, it's a, a great deal of resistance that comes into establishing a brand new habit where we're forced to do some of these things that we're, we, we don't actually uh, feel comfortable doing necessarily. You know, most, uh, you know, some studies say that res most resolutions can be accomplished by improving things like diet, regular exercise, and decreased consumption of things like uh, cigarettes and alcohol. And if you do some of these things, uh, some estimate that you can add about seven years of your life. And you look at that and you're like, whoa, great, that, that's awesome. And it is awesome. If we're disciplined and we're, we're treating our bodies well, I mean, that is awesome. But I look at that and I think, is, is longevity, is, is that the, the main purpose that we have here on earth? Is that, is that what we are to be resolved to do? Is that the only thing that's, that's, that's here on earth for us? There's got to be more. There's got to be something more. And the reality is there is. If you're living life today, are you living life to the fullest. You know, God wants so much for your life. He wants you to be able to experience an abundant life here on earth. But you know what? It's, it's not going to come the same way that the world takes it. You see, a lot of these resolutions that, uh, that we do today, they're very individualistic. How do I make me more successful? How do I make me uh, more healthy how do I make me more fit, more attractive? How do I make me uh, better at what I'm doing? And you notice a lot of the attention is just put on you, yourself. But the reality is, is that God has called us to so much more than just improving yourself. You can have an impact on the people around you. You can have an impact on the kingdom of God here on earth. The Bible makes it clear that if you pick up your cross, follow me. That's what Jesus said. If you pick up your cross daily and follow me, that is what God has called you to do. And your purpose on earth is going to be so much greater than what it is for all those who are just following and trying, uh, trying to please themselves and make themselves happy. How, how are your goals affecting your spiritual family? How are, you, how are your plans and goals affecting the people around you? Jesus was resolved to make his life worthwhile, and he was making an impact for the kingdom of God. And guess what? He wants the same for you and me. You know, we see, we see in Scripture things like, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all else will be added unto you. You know, there's this paradox where Jesus says that those, those who lose their life will find it. Those who are ready to give up everything that they have for his sake are going to experience an abundant and full life here on earth. You know, people on the outside, the people who don't know Jesus and don't understand the reality of, of following Christ... They're missing something so huge, something uh, so beneficial for them. 
But we who call ourselves followers of Jesus, we're able to embrace a life that is just filled with joy. And regardless of what opposition comes our way, we have this fullness that no, nothing else here on earth can give us. I want to say thank you to all those who have uh, contributed to the Max Thunder Memorial Hampers. Um, for those of you who don't know the Max Thunder Memorial Hampers, it started with uh, my dad, who had passed away in 2015. Uh, I believe it was 2013. He was sitting down at the kitchen table, and he was just telling me, there, son, there's, there's families up north who can't enjoy Christmas the same way that we do. They don't have the, the, the money, the resources for to have food uh, at their table on Christmas Day. And you could tell just by the conversation that we're, we were having that there, God had put this, uh, this thing in his heart. And my dad was resolved to go and accomplish this task that God had given him. So we went over to Pastor Allen, and uh, my dad was explaining to Pastor Allen a, a little bit about what, what was on his heart. And my dad said, can you pray for him? Can you pray for us? Can you pray that this project will be a success? And Pastor Allen said, well, we could do a little bit more than praying for you. We're going to take up an offering this Sunday. And we put it out there to all of our, our, our church family. And it was amazing. The very next Sunday, people started contributing and they were being generous. And that year, we were able to bless 30 families up north with hampers. And as we did so, you know, there was families who were just so blessed by this donation. There's families with empty an empty fridge. You know, they, they, they open up their door and they see all these boxes of food that were for them and their family members. There were people that um, were dealing with health issues and they didn't have any, any money to, to, to buy, you know, a turkey for themselves on Christmas Day. And, and there it was because of your donations and your support. And this year, we were, we were able to bless 28 families because of your support. And it made a big impact on many of the people who received them. So this is a small way that uh, God had placed this idea in my dad's heart to bless families up north and there was a lot of opposition with, with this, and, but he was determined to go and do that thing that God had called him to do, to become a blessing for others. One of the other, other things that we see from, from this passage, one of the other ways that we could move forward with purpose is um, Jesus shows us that he kept moving despite the discomfort by nature, we avoid situations where there is uh, discomfort or pain. If we are to accomplish anything significant, though, what, what do we have to do? We have to embrace part of the suffering, part of the resistance that comes with it. If you wanted to start your own business, for example, well, there's the, the failure rate is so high. Why is that? Well, it's because it's difficult. It's not easy. For those who wanted to start their own ministry, you know, there may be discouragement along the way. Even people who have made the decision to follow Christ and to do his will, 
you're noticing that this, this life is not always easy. There's people who are, who are opposed to it. Your own thoughts become opposed to following Jesus. And Satan is in constant opposition to you. The one thing that Satan wants you to do, if I could sum up, what, what is it the one thing that he would tempt you to do most often? And if I, could, if, I, if I could choose one thing, I would say this. He wants you to stop. He wants you to get discouraged. He wants you to feel like it's not worth it. He wants you to feel like there's no point. And he wants to stop you in your progress towards accomplishing God's will for your life. He wants to stop you dead in your tracks. Perhaps through discouragement. Perhaps just by, by, by putting lies into your heart to tell you, that there's no way to accomplish this, this thing. This summer, I was able to go to the uh, Manitoba Marathon and uh, really, really enjoyed it. It was actually my first time running. Um, we, I ran in the 10-kilometer uh, race, and I was able to uh, bring with me uh, some kids from up north. I think there was about 20 of us from, uh, from up north, so different First Nations communities. And um, we ran this race, and let me tell you, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. You know, me, I'm not really a runner, but leading up to this event, I, uh, I, I had to spend a lot of time running and training for, for it. And uh, when it came time for, for the, the day of the race, you know, I started out great, you know, this was this is amazing, this is awesome to just have all this energy around you, so many different runners. But after a kilometer or two, everything in your body starts saying, okay, slow down, you know, take it easy. But in my mind, I'd already said, I'm going to, if I'm going to run this thing, I'm going to run this for the whole duration. I'm not going to stop, I'm not going to slow down, I'm not going to walk, I've come here to run. And so that's what I was determined to do. But, you know, when it came to about the nine-kilometer mark, you know, my, my legs just felt heavy. They almost felt like rubber, and they, they got tingly. And it felt like, oh, like I was losing all sensation in my legs. And uh, I'm pretty sure, like, there was, there was no blood flow there anymore. And I was, I was approaching the finish line, and I was thinking to myself, like, I'm going to get to that finish line, and I'm just going to collapse, and there's probably going to have to be paramedics to come pick me up. I wasn't too confident. But what I was is I was determined. And no matter how much pain I was feeling from one step to the next, I just kept going, and I kept going, and I kept going. And I made it to the finish line, and when I got there, with all the other participants, I just felt this amazing sense of accomplishment. One other participant who is from up north, she was a, a young teenager, and she said, when I crossed that finish line, I felt like I could accomplish anything. And in some, in some cases, that's how you feel, just the, the adrenaline, just that, that knowing that you've accomplished something, something big. It's not easy, but it's totally worthwhile. You know, I have a, we're talking about movement. We're talking about ad advancing in our relationship with God. We, we need to talk about momentum. So I have a question for you. 
What has more momentum? Is it uh, a bicycle or is it a train? And should be should be pretty easy answer, I think. Um, so who thinks it's a bike? Okay, okay, we want one. Good. Okay, who thinks it's a, a train? Okay, we got a lot, lot more hands. Okay, all right. Okay. How many say I'm not sure? Okay, I'll get a credit for you. Not sure. Okay. All right. Well, let, let's take a look here. Well, thing is, we in order for us to know which one has more momentum, we actually have to. To look at the, the equation for momentum, and if, if this um, intimidates you, don't, don't worry about it. But momentum equals mass times velocity, right? So you have your mass and your vo velocity. Um, if you have one here, one here, this will equal one, right? But what happens if you have zero here and 6,000 here? What number is this? Zero. Right, exactly. So when you're pedaling your bike past a, a train that's stationary, that's not moving at all, then you can say, because the velocity of the train is zero, the momentum is zero, when you're driving past that train that's standing still, you can say, I have more, more momentum than that train. Yeah, why is this? Why is this important? Now, oftentimes we think that it's 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 how significant you are. It's how much uh, uh, how much um, ability that you have that really makes a difference in your spiritual life. Well, that's that's actually not always the case. You know what? You can have all the potential in the world, but if you don't have this thing called velocity, and if you're not headed in the right direction then you're not making a difference. It doesn't matter how significant you are, if you feel like you're a train or you feel like you're just a little bicycle pedaling down. Whatever, whatever you think you are, the main thing that matters here is, is your velocity. Are you moving forward? So I have two questions. Are you moving forward? And velocity, some of you know, it has a directional component. So... Are you moving forward, and are you headed in the right direction? You know, the one thing that, that scares Satan the most is movement. That's why he is trying to, to constantly discourage us, stop us from doing the things that God has called us to do. He's trying to make this number zero so that our momentum is zero. But you know what? If we push forward... We can eventually build momentum, just like that little, this person on a bike. You can eventually build momentum. Just keep going. Just keep pushing forward. And eventually you'll become a force to be reckoned with. Can someone say amen? Amen. I love this quote from uh, Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill, he was, uh, he was a British politician, army officer, writer, who was Prime Minister of the UK from 1940 to 1945. And again, 1951 to 55. And as Prime Minister, Churchill led Britain to victory in Europe in the Second World War. Two weeks after Churchill came into power, France, uh, knocked out, uh, France was knocked out of the war 
and 340,000 British troops had to scramble to escape over the beaches at Dunkirk. Has anyone here seen that movie, Dunkirk? Yeah, a couple of you? Yeah. If you haven't, go, go and watch it. The Germans had absolute control of all of Europe. It seemed impossible that Britain could survive. What happened? Here's when Churchill gave some of his famous speeches. We shall never surrender. When you have nothing left but defiance, commit to it with everything you have. And Churchill used language to rouse the fighting spirit that he believed was still alive in the British people, saying things like, if you're going through hell, keep going. And the line that summed up his personal career and the spirit that led the British people ultimately to victory was this. Never, never, never give up. For some of us today, this is something that we need to hear. The Bible says that we are in a battle constantly within the spiritual realm. We're not, we're not waging a war with physical forces, but the spiritual forces of evil are constantly attacking. And they're trying to find our moment of weakness. For some of you, you've already attempted, you've resolved to go and follow Christ with all your heart. But then you've experienced some opposition. You've experienced some discouragement. You feel like there's, there's no way forward. For some, it's your relationships. Your marriages are broken, and Satan's telling you it's beyond repair. Get out of there. For those who are going through hell, keep going. The Holy Spirit will give you the strength that you need to continue on, to keep fighting the good fight of the faith. The Bible says that if we stand firm till the end, we will be saved. For those of you who need that special encouragement, if you're going through a storm in this life, you need to be reminded that there is calmness that is coming. In, the, in this very hour where you may be faced with all sorts of opposition within the spiritual realm, the discouragement that you're feeling, all of the things that are coming against you, don't even compare to what's coming ahead. There is joy in the morning. For each and every one of us, we need to be reminded, never give up and keep going. The third thing is that he, Jesus, knew the reward that was coming. He said, on the third day, he will rise again. On the third day, I will rise again. The, the pain that you feel is just temporary. The opposition that you're feeling right now, it's not the end. We constantly have to remind ourselves of what is coming. The Bible says that if we are determined and if we are able to pick up our cross and follow him daily, if we're able to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all else will be added unto us. We will be able to experience a life that is full of joy, full of significance, full 
of purpose. We have to have the end in mind. On the third day, he says, I will rise again. A little while ago, I, I went down to uh, the Cayman Islands. And I went there as a, for a charity event where we had a, a, a variety of different uh, First Nations and Inuit uh, youth all come over and we, we flew out in a plane and we headed to this destination in the, the Cayman Islands and we all participated in the, uh, the marathon event that was there. It's called the Cayman Marathon. And many people were training for this event for the, the entire year, basically, leading up to this. Because you could only choose either the half marathon or the full marathon. There was only two options. No, none of this 5K, 10K kind of kind of deal. There's this one individual who's from my company, and he 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 went with us. And he he was training for hours. And his ankle was injured while he was training, and it was swollen like like a golf ball. He kept training, and despite the pain, suffering that, that he was going through, he kept, he kept training. When the day came for this event, I remember standing at the finish line uh, and just watching some of the people that were crossing it. And the very first people, I remember people, they, they were just giving it their all. So I had people who crossed the finish line, and they just... They had to put their hands on their knees, just looking straight down. And some of them, they, they, they just gave so much that they just vomited at the, at the finish line. Some of them had tears in their eyes from, from just the pain that it, it had taken to, to get there. Some of them, I remember watching the first woman uh, who completed the half marathon. You could tell all, she was just giving everything, exerting all her energy into her running. And when she crossed the finish line, she just collapsed almost completely straight to the ground. And the medical team, they all surrounded her. And they came and they brought her to a tent and they gave her water. They hydrated her. She was okay. But I'm just looking at all this pain that's happening at the finish line. And I'm thinking, why, why are we putting ourselves through this? What's, what's the point of all this? Why, why are people, like, people were honestly getting... Uh, sent to the hospital because they were fainting and collapsing from this humid weather. The sun is beating down on them and they're trying to com complete a marathon. Why are we doing this to ourselves? The reason is that the prize far outweighs the process of getting there. There's a suffering that it takes to get there. I was talking to this man who had trained so hard to attend the event, the man with the sprained ankle. And at this celebration dinner that we had, I pointed him out and I said, this man has accomplished so much. He's, this is his very first marathon. And he just set out. He, he just had the idea. He stuck with his plan and he accomplished it. And there was almost tears coming down his face. And he afterwards he said, thank you so much for just acknowledging that. I talked to him right after the race, and he said, you know what? This is the most painful thing that I had ever experienced. But he said, it's the most fulfilling as well. 
wow, it's amazing what we go to, but we just need to remember that at the end, at the finish line, there is something great in store for us. Some of us need to be reminded that when we're trying to make progress in our spiritual walk, when we fail, when we fall, we have to be reminded that our God is a God of grace. We have to remember that if we have failed, then you can freely approach the throne of grace and you could come to him. And the Bible says that you can have complete forgiveness of what had taken in the past and you can have a clean slate, a fresh start. You don't have to wait till January 1st in order to have that, that new clean slate. It doesn't have to be January 1st. It could be any day of the year where you decide, okay, today is the day that I'm going to follow Jesus with all of my heart. Today is the day that I'm going to accomplish the will that God has for me. And it doesn't matter what I have, comp- uh, what I have failed to do in the past. It doesn't matter the pain that I've experienced previously. But today is a new day. I'm going to go out and do that. For some of you, you're discouraged because you tried to make a resolution a few weeks ago and it didn't pan out. Today can be the day where you push the reset button. You say, God, give me the strength that I need to continue on. There was a a friend of mine that I I had met after preaching at a at a revival service up in Red Sucker Lake, a First Nations community up north. And after I had preached a sermon, this young man in his, in his teenage years, he comes up to me and he says, Andrew, I need help. And I asked him, what, what, do, you need, what do you need help with? And he says, I've been experiencing these suicidal thoughts. I feel that the pain that I'm going through is, is beyond anything I could bear. And he says, I feel some days that if I took my very life, that no one would care. No one would notice. And I just looked at him in the eye, and I said, don't you believe for one moment the, uh, the lies of the enemy. God has a specific plan for you here on earth. And this pain that you're experiencing, it's not, it's not going to outweigh the great things that he has in store for you. He was encouraged. A few months later, there was even more uh, opposition that he was experiencing. Someone uh, who he trusted very much uh, began to abuse him. And this abuse, it broke him significantly. And it was a lot of trauma over the period of a few months. He just texted me a few days ago, and he says, Andrew, I'm having those suicidal thoughts again. And I said, I'm going to pray for you, but you need to remember that the pain that you're feeling right now is temporary. God has something great in store for you, and you just need to press through this. Just keep moving. Keep pressing forward, and you're going to see the God of grace pour down his blessing over you. This man right now is fervently seeking God with all his heart. He's, he's serving God by coming to church services and ministering with, mu- with music 
and with his testimonies. And I just believe that God has something great in store for his life. And I believe that because I believe in the God that we serve, that our God is a God of grace. Our God is a God of redemption. He's a God of victory. And if you just keep moving, you're going to see amazing things accomplished in your life. Let's stand. Lord, Father, we just thank you that you ask us to follow you and you give us the ability to do that. We thank you, Lord God, for the strength of power that comes, Lord, when we follow you. And Lord God, in the moments where we feel discouraged to follow your will for our lives, I just pray, Lord, that you would allow each of us just to feel the overwhelming sense of your presence. God, I pray for those who have been discouraged, who have stopped doing the things that you've called them to do. That area in, that, in their life that they know needs fixing. I pray that today, that you would put some traction on that goal. I pray, Lord God, that you would just stir in that person's heart that readiness, that faith, that action to go and accomplish that thing that you've called them to do. We thank you, Lord God, that you're a God of grace and that we could come today with a clean slate that you can cleanse us of all of our sins, all of our righteousness, all, all, the, all of our unrighteousness, all of our iniquities, all those things that we've done in the past. They no longer matter. What matters is Jesus Christ and him crucified, the spirit that now dwells in us is enough power to overcome the things of this world and to overcome the forces of darkness. So right now I pray that you would allow each of us to go in strength, to go with healing, and to be able to accomplish the great things that you have called each and every one of us to do. We pray this all in your precious name. Amen. Amen.